Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill. And this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 177. Hi. Hi, how are you? How are you? Good. <laughs> we are batch recording, so I just saw you two seconds ago from the last episode. You did. We have a little bit of a scenery change, but we're still wearing the same outfits. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know you guys were hoping for a fashion show, but you're not going to get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't talk about it on the podcast because it's a, well, I'm just going to roll the dice on this one. Um, but I, I'm going to a fashion show. A New York that fashion That is so week. so crazy. How did that happen? I know I do I don't even know. I don't know. My friend <laughs> Anna just got texted me a couple weeks ago and said, Hey, I have tickets to Christian Seriano's fashion show in New York Fashion Week. Also, she gets like companion tickets. And so it's basically like, Do you want to come? And I was just like, Yes. Like, how do I turn that down? No, you don't. I know. To New York City with my best friend. Right. Christian Why would you not? I know. It's funny because like this is something that as a young gen, when I was like – I used to work in the fashion industry a long time ago and I used to have like my finger on the pulse of like all the designers and and I lived in New York, you know, when they would have fashion week and stuff. Never went to a fashion show, but it's just so funny. I never would have thought that like, you know, 42-year-old gen – as like a old hag lady mom. <laughs> You're so gross. I can't believe you. I can't believe they're going to let you in the door. No, I know. Like, what do I even wear? That's I what know. I'm wondering. What do you wear? I have no idea. I like, do I you have to wear with, something I, of his? I think I'm just going to wear all black and a real bitchy face. Oh, yeah. Right? You can do that. No problem. Like, yeah. I think I'll fit right in. I'm going to just black from head to toe, which I. That's no problem for me. Mm-hmm. I have lots of black. And then just like a real fucked up attitude. You know? Like, <laughs> like I, I just belong here. Belong here. Yeah. You why don't you know me? Can you hey, if I give you like yeah. a bunch of dumb love cards, can you put them on every seat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna start handing out dumb love koozies. I'm gonna hand out our little pink koozies to everybody at Christian Seriano's New York. Fashion Week fashion show. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to get big. I can't wait. I'm going to wear all black with like a trench coat and then like inside it'll just be like lined with dumb of koozies. Yeah. I'm going to make a real big statement. <laughs> or or if you really want to make a statement, you would go trench coat, koozies, nothing underneath. Oh, that's what I meant. Oh, that's 100% sorry. what I meant. Totally nude. Yeah. Totally nude. Dumb love koozies lining the inside of my jacket. Uh-huh. Boom. Right at the end of the show, after he thanks everybody for coming, that'll yeah. be like, wait, 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 Christian. <laughs> Not so fast. Not so excuse fast. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Because I'm, I'm going to – Assume we're going to be sitting somewhere in the back. I don't know. Anna's pretty fancy. She might have gotten front. I don't know. I was going to say, she doesn't like mess around. Anna doesn't fuck around with anything. No. No. She like, she knows what she wants. She gets it. She doesn't settle for less, which is like, I so admire that about her. Yeah. And uh, so she probably is like, 
Yeah, no, she's we a ha- we get boss bitch. Yeah, we get front row seats. So who we'll see. I will report back <laughs> and I will let you know how my new trench coating goes. Oh my god. I'm so excited for this. I'm doing it for the podcast. <laughs> Do it for the pod. Do it for the pod. Um, all right. Well, let's get into our quickies. Okay. Okay, so I am first this week, and I this is actually kind of breaking news. Um, and I got this from the dmvdaily.com, uh, but I'm sure it came from some other source, and it was just written by staff. But a few nights ago, the police department in Richmond, Virginia, received a call around 8:30 p.m., and they were the report was that it was a road rage incident um, in the neighborhood. So the police get to the site, they see a Ford Escape going back and forth over a man who is lying motionless on the ground underneath the vehicle's tires. So the officers like intervened and were telling this, it was a woman driving the car, they're telling her to stop and she wouldn't stop. Finally, they pull out their guns and she finally stops. Um, And according to the officers, the woman's name was Samantha Warren. She was 28 years old. She was infuriating. Even when she got out of the car, she's like yelling at the man's like limp body on the ground. Um, she's screaming like obscenities is what they say. I'm guessing she's saying, fuck you. Um, so while she's being arrested, a woman comes out of the house wearing lingerie and mm. it is Samantha's grandmother. Because it turns out, Jen, that Samantha's grandmother had been having an affair with Samantha's husband. Oh, my God. And it was Samantha's husband's body on the ground. Now, I'm going to say he is not as far as uh, we know. As of this point, he's in the hospital. Um, He is in stable condition. So he didn't die, even though she went back and forth over his body a million times. Uh, But he is still in the hospital. His name is Eric Leonard. But the grandmother told the police officer that Samantha had come home from work earlier than usual, and she had caught the grandmother and her husband naked together in a 69 position. Oh, my God. Ah, so that was like a real, like, I want to say for her, that was a true, either she complete insanity or that was a crime of passion. Yeah. Apparently because she had like suspected she probably it for a little was, while. She did what? She had suspected it for a little while. Oh, she so it wasn't just proof. like a my eyes blind, like, holy shit moment. She like. I think, I think she was coming it. home and to catch them. Catch them. Oh my God. Yeah. So the police officer said, I admit that this is one of the sickest adulteries I've ever heard of, but it's still illegal to react the way she did. She needs to learn to choose better partners and manage her anger. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Choose better partners. Yeah. But I mean, and a better grandma. I'm not saying run anybody over with a car. I'm just saying, (laughs) yeah, choose better grandma, choose better partner. But I mean, that's the kind of thing that. I would. I mean, that's what I think snapped. Was you don't made know for. what that's what snapped is. I, I yeah. don't know what my reaction would be. I think I would step outside of my body. It's so unbelievable, isn't it? it? Is. I mean, it's so yes. crazy. And I, but I looked. at It's like in multiple news sources. This is a real thing. I see a pic. Saw a picture of her. I may Whoa. have learned about it first in a TikTok, but I did then do my research. Dude, so 
Yeah, actual <laughs> newsing. <laughs> I did some newsing. I go- I googled. All right, great. <laughs> God, that's wild. Yeah. Okay, so, so for my quickie this week, I did zero newsing because yeah. <laughs> this is a listicle compiled by somebody else that wasn't me. Um, <laughs> Thank you, whoever you are. But it's a really fun one. Oh, I was like, I. It was one of those ones where I started reading and started laughing, and then I was like, okay, I have to stop. Okay. Yeah. This was compiled by thoughtcatalog.com where um, they asked Reddit, of course, what Mm -hmm. are your most – what are the worst weddings that you ever suffered through? And these are 50 – I'm not going to read all 50, but I'm going to read some of them. Okay. Uh, Worst weddings that – they definitely make me crazy. Number one, (laughs) just a quick one, uh, the bride's aunt died on the dance floor (gasps) dancing. No. Oh, my God. I mean, that's kind of how I want to die. I mean, not at (laughs) On the dance floor? (laughs) Yeah, I want to die on the dance floor. Not at my, you know, nephew or niece's wedding. Right. I wouldn't want to ruin their wedding. But if I'm going to die, maybe at, you know, the 57th fighter group. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the middle of, you know, House of Pain. But, um, uh, I was thinking in the middle of like uh, the electric slide, or like, yeah, <laughs> just boogie oogie oogie oogie, or something real real dramatic like Sia's <laughs> chandelier. Like I want to be swinging <laughs> with the chandelier. Yeah, and then I, die. And then I want to. <laughs> um, the next one. <laughs> no, I want it to be during. Um, I just die in your arms tonight. <laughs> like I want somebody to catch me, and, and then, then I die in their arms. Sh- Get it? Yeah, oh, I get it. Okay. Um, that's what I wanted. Must have been something said. I'm a really good I singer. I could have walked away. Should have walked away. <laughs> <laughs> See, you get it. I'm going to die it. in your arms. All right. That'd um, be fun. Okay. Uh, number two. You guys were real silly because we're on like hour 14 of recording. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. This is, this is going nowhere but downhill from here. You're a little coke. Uh, this one is bad. This one says, I was at a dry wedding where the main theme was books. You were assigned to read a book prior to the wedding and were sat with people who read the same book so that you can start um, conversation. Mm-hmm. Interesting idea, but a majority of people aren't going to do it. People were also purposely – not put with people they knew in an attempt to make people socialize with each other. Basically, all we did is make a few sentences about how we didn't read the book (laughs) and left after being served an inedible dinner and then we all headed to a bar. Oh, Oh, man. Uh, This one right here, uh, I feel this one. I feel this because you know I'm not not the most outdoorsy person. Uh This one said, I had friends get married in a forest. It was a stretch of meager woods between two cornfields. <laughs> Mosquitoes galore. We had to meager sit woods. on logs that were covered in damp moss. The mud was ink- ankle deep in places, and the ceremony was inaudible due to a tractor plowing the field. <laughs> They served food out a charming old cottage that was actually a rotting former chicken coop (laughs) that the groom literally dragged in from somewhere else. The entire event was a nightmare. Look, I am outdoorsy, and that does sound like a nightmare. (laughs) It sounds like a nightmare all around. 
This one says, they did a potluck dinner, but no one brought any food. Everyone <laughs> left after the first dance. Oh, man. I remember the first like dinner party I threw, I was like 20 years old and like throwing yeah. a, a dinner party because I thought uh-huh. it was so cool and whatever. So and I told everybody to bring a, a dish. Uh-huh. If we didn't have one tray of eggplant parmesan that I made uh-huh. and then 70 70- Cheese and cracker plates. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it wasn't even like they put it on a plate. Everybody's like, "Here's some cheese. Here's some crackers. Here's or a nothing sleeve at of all. Ritz." And I was like, "Here, you each get like one spoonful of eggplant, <laughs> and everybody gets yeah, a sleeve of saltines." Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, okay, this one's good. Uh, my friend's wedding. Here are some of the highlights. Number one, him telling us the day before that he was either going to marry her or break up with her the next day. Number two, him getting drunk on the morning of the wedding and stinking of cheap rum. rum. Number three, his family falling out on the day of the wedding and half of them deciding not to attend. I mean, this sounds like an apple doesn't fall far from the tree kind of sitch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, number four, his best man's speech turning into a fundamentalist Christian lecture about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And then number five, him desperately searching for a honeymoon on the hotel computer because he forgot to book anything. <gasps> and then it says they are divorced now. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've, I think I've only one time been a part of – like been to a wedding where it was just like a good friend and they were like having big doubts. Like, I'm not going to go through with this. I don't think it's going to happen. And they're still married. And that was like 15 years ago. So, you know, sometimes have, people just have – I have a girlfriend feet. that was crying in the room before yeah. and I was like, we don't have to do this. Yeah, we, I'll get we, you out of here. Yeah, That's what we, we were like. It it's okay. Yeah. You don't have to. Still married. Yeah. This one says, you want to kill a wedding? Put speeches an hour after dinner and have that happen for three hours. No. I think speeches started around 8 p.m. By the time the video tributes and the people talking about how everyone is great is ended, it was 11 o'clock and everyone was just done. Not a lot of time to dance and socialize left over when the venue was closing at midnight. I was feeling so sick. I should have left sooner. You know what I think is worse? Putting the speeches before the dinner. Oh, yeah. No, speeches are like during dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. people. Like you do quick speeches when people are like finishing up. Like when everybody has gotten their food, they've been able to eat. Do those speeches real quick, and then let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on to yeah. the fun stuff. <laughs> speeches are such a weird thing, part of wedding. I we had a we had really nice, lovely speeches from uh, from people at our wedding, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. But also, it is a weird thing to sit through if you don't know the people that well. Like I don't think it's like that enjoyable for people who are not the bride and groom. Right, 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 right. Sometimes yeah. it could be. Funny and sweet and yeah. endearing. It just kind yeah. of depends on it. But yeah, I think like maybe like three, 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 tops. four, <laughs> easy, like quick one. And like give a time limit. Yeah. Like set a yeah, time, time limit. Like you can talk for, sure. for five minutes or you're getting the light. <laughs> you're getting pulled off stage. Right. And <laughs> I also playing crickets. <laughs> that you shouldn't ask your friends that aren't comfortable in pu- with public speaking to yeah. do a toast. Like you should maybe like leave that for – or a speech, leave that for someone that you know that, like is good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I but agree. I'm not going to do it. I'm just you gonna... would do it. No, I do. I... 
Um, Jen gives a mean speech. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm a really good speech giver, actually. No, that's what I mean. Like a oh, like like <laughs> a mean one. Like he's oh a real piece of shit. <laughs> so let me tell you. <laughs> you were like actually great. I'm really nice. I say nice things. <laughs> I like that you just accepted that I thought that, like with no context. <laughs> I just roast people at their wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this fucking guy. Terrible dresser. Boring as hell. Okay, this one says, um, First, the very long Catholic ceremony sermon. That's that's a big one. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I grew up Catholic, so I get it. Yeah. I know those Catholic weddings. Um, first, the very long Catholic ceremony ser- sermon had the premise of get her pregnant as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Second, it turned out to be a dry wedding. Third, the which is no. weird for Catholics. Yeah, um, but it turned out to be a dry wedding. Third, the only food was an appetizer buffet. Fourth, I was the guest of an ex-boyfriend, so I knew literally three people there, all of whom were in the wedding party, so it was difficult to spend time with them. I would left very sober, hungry, confused, and bewildered. Zero out of ten, terrible time. (laughs) (laughs) This one says, it was pretty obvious that none of the non-family guests liked the bride. The best man toast was all about their friendship and how he got himself a hot wife that will hopefully let them hang out together. Bride's head of the ceremony, empty besides relatives. No one went to do bouquet toast. Uh, Maid of Honor was really a good friend of the groom who toasted him to be happy and said nothing about the bride except that she was pretty. (laughs) Food was pretty inedible. Venue was not accessible and some guests were handicapped. Oh, that's terrible. And also left after dessert. The wedding ended very early. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'll do one more. I uh, went to a Viking heathen wedding cosplay <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> and all the mead. We got there late because of the traffic and missed the ceremony, but we were in time for the reception to start. Only the bride was already plastered. She was a mean drunk who started a pretty big fight with her husband in front of everyone. See, you can be mean at weddings. Yep. (laughs) All the guests moved to an area where the fighting wasn't as loud, and eventually the wife went to bed with their nine-month-old baby, and the groom's friends were consoling the groom. I spent my time with the other women trying to move the baby out of the bed that the bride had passed out in and left at 11. Wasn't much fun. Ooh. I mean, that sounds like an eventful wedding. I'm no. like, I like it wouldn't be fun in the time, but that's a great story afterwards. So, I me mean, went to a Viking wedding. <laughs> like, stop there. I'm yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. That's all you mean, needed. To mean say. drunk, mean drunk bride. Great. Ooh, I was at a wedding once where um, this guy. So it was like a friend, a friend of the bride's, like really good friend of the bride's, her husband, and we were all pretty young. We were like pretty soon out of college. And, um, and so of course we're all very drunk at this wedding and we're at the bar afterwards and he is so drunk. He like puts his foot up on the bar and he, it turns out he has a small revolver strapped to his leg. And then somebody else was like, James, what's this? And it turned out he was a secret agent, like (gasps) an FBI agent. He couldn't tell anybody. Everybody was like, oh, he works in like. 
whatever. I mean, he worked. He like, finance. Yeah, he wor- yeah, yeah. He works for the government, right? But it turns out he was like, oh my god, you guys, nobody's supposed to know that. And he had like left his like ID somewhere, like over on like a different table, and then he like showed us his gun. I mean, it wasn't on not on purpose, but like. And it was like a huge deal the next day. He was like, you guys, you can't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. You went to a super spy wedding. A super spy wedding. I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. But we all were like, gun. Like, what is happening? It was crazy. Oh my God. He's probably something else. And then he made up the spy thing to cover it up. Oh yeah, he's just like a redneck. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh, he's got my piece on me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a spy. I'm I'm embarrassed to tell you guys, but uh, I'm a fucking spy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, you figured me out. (laughs) (laughs) Figured me out again. (laughs) I'm like a a real James Bond. Right. Looking back, it was just like, uh, like, you know, paper he had drawn on, like, super spy, <laughs> FBI. <laughs> and we were like, whoa. It was a cap gun that you get at, like, yeah. 7-Eleven. Yeah. Sorry, I'll shoot. My cover's blown. <laughs> Can't tell anybody or I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> oh, man. We're well, tired. We're tired. Okay. Let's get into your crazy story. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a wild story? I am. Okay. I'm going to tell you that this is going to sound like it's a love, like a, a happy story to begin with. So just like hang in there. This is like this is like the opposite of happy town. <laughs> like, you know how sometimes we're like, okay, look, we're going to go through some rough stuff, but we're going to get to happy town. I just well, want you to know. like, this is a crazy story. I don't expect to go to happy town. This goes to happy town? No, no. What I'm saying is like this is going to start off like a happy town story and it's going to go to crazy town. So, okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got my information from the Philadelphia Inquirer, a bunch of articles, because this happened in Philadelphia. So you can imagine the accents um, by a writer named Robert Moran, um, an article on CNN by David Alsip, the Washington Post by Eli Rosenberg, um, an episode of the podcast Swindled, and um, a documentary, which I actually didn't watch, but you guys can watch, produced by 6ABC Philadelphia called No Good Deed. You can see that online or on Hulu. So cool. Okay. So in November of 2017, um, there was a heartwarming story that captured the hearts of people in Philadelphia. The news reported that 27-year-old Kate McClure was on her way home in Philly when she met 34-year-old Johnny Bobbitt Jr., Kate had been driving on I-95 when she ran out of gas and it was dark. So she stopped, like pulled off to the nearest exit ramp. Um, and then she kind of got out of her car to see if there was a gas station nearby because she was completely out of gas. And that's when kind of out of the darkness, a man approached her. Um, she said he was obviously homeless. Um, she had seen that he had been panhandling at the exit ramp. Um, but Kate said the man called out to her. Um, she said he saw me pull over and knew was something was wrong. He told me to get back in my car and lock the doors and that he would be right back. Um, Kate didn't know what else to do. She like there was nobody to call that were that was close enough to help her. So um, that was 
That was Johnny Bobbitt. And she said that Johnny then walked to the gas station, came back with a can filled with gas, um, and that he had spent $20, the only money he had to buy it to fill up the gas in Kate's car. Oh, wow. So Kate didn't have money to repay him, but um, she promised Johnny that she would somehow find a way to pay back this kindness. So Kate says that she went home. She told her boyfriend, Mark D'Amico, about this incredible act of kindness. um, And the two decided that they needed to go back and find Johnny. So she says um, she started driving back to Johnny's spot, like where she found him on the exit ramp. Um, Over the next two weeks, she would, she first, she repaid him. She gave him a jacket, gloves, hat, and new socks because it was November. Um, But then she started going back like every couple days and she would give him a couple dollars every time. Um, She said, one day I stopped to see him and had a few things in a bag to give him, one of which was a box of cereal bars so that he could have something that he could carry around and eat. He was very appreciative as usual. And the first thing he said was, do you want one? Um, Another day, Kate gave Johnny two gift cards from the Wawa the Wawa Hoagie, the Wawa. He got she got the Wawa Hoagie house, um, and she gave him a case of water. And in response, Johnny said he couldn't wait to show the guys, um, which she's what she had just brought him, so that he could share it with them, referring Aww. to like a couple of friends that he hung out with. Um, and Kate said, "If those two statements alone don't give you a glimpse into the good heart this man has, I'm not sure anything will." So through these visits, Kate and Mark started to get to know Johnny. Uh, They found out that he was originally from North Carolina, that he had served in the military, he was in the Marine Corps, and that when he had come out, he had become a paramedic and a firefighter. Um, He'd had a home and a partner, but he had become addicted to heroin. And mm-hmm. um, and at that, he kind of lost everything due to his addiction. So he had gotten clean and then come to Philadelphia at the chance for a new job. Um, but when he got there, he started using again. And um, at the point when they met him, uh, he had been living on the streets for about 18 months. Um, a friend in North Carolina who had been close to Johnny said that, um, told the Philadelphia Inquirer that he was a talented paramount medic and that he was smart enough to become a doctor. Um, so Johnny said that, or sorry, Mark said that Johnny had talked to them about how his life had taken a turn for the worse, um, that he really owned up to like that this was his doing. He said, you know, um, don't get me wrong. I'm here because of my own decisions. I don't blame anyone else but myself. Mark said he knows where he's at and he knows what he has to do to dig himself out. Um, And so, you know, Johnny's story seemed to check out because Kate and Mark found a Facebook page of Johnny's that hadn't been updated in more than a year, but like three-year-old photos show a man who was much healthier, happier, living with a significant other, um, having dogs and a house, just like a normal life, like not Mm -hmm. anything like this person that they met on the street. So Kate and Mark decided that they wanted to do something for Johnny that would really change his life in a way that like a few dollars here or there like couldn't do. Um, They were not wealthy themselves. Kate was a secretary and Mark was a carpenter who didn't, was kind of like in and out of work. So um, they decided to start a GoFundMe campaign to raise money to help get Johnny back on his feet. So on the GoFundMe page, Kate wrote that she intended to raise $10,000 to pay for an apartment, 
a vehicle and other expenses to live for the next four to six months. Um, she said that she believes that Johnny is driven to find a job. She said, I believe that with a place to be able to clean up every night and get a good night's sleep, his life can go back to normal. Truly believe that all Johnny needs is one little break. So a week into the GoFundMe, they had raised $769 and they were pretty excited. They decided to tell Johnny about their efforts. Um, but then a news outlet in Philadelphia kind of picked up the story because, of course, she posted about this on Facebook. And um, so, you know, and people were liking it. And so the Philadelphia Inquirer picked up the story and then kind of everything changed. So Kate posted a YouTube video of them telling Johnny about the money. Um, you can see the video. He's like sitting in the back seat of the car. He's reading a newspaper article about the GoFundMe campaign. And he's just like so happy. He seems so happy. Um, you know, he's like, God, this is amazing. You guys did all that. That's so awesome. Uh, and he said, people really talk about Philly. I have honestly met more good people than bad. I really have. Like y'all, I mean, this is amazing. And Kate says, well, you're a good person. That's why. And then while they're sitting there, Mark tells them, he's like watching the GoFundMe and he's like, oh my God, it just jumped up another $1,000. So now we have $1,700. And, oh, wow. um, and so that amount, Johnny was like, oh my God, that's like, even if it's, if that's what it is, like that's life changing for me. And Mark is like, no, it's, that's not where it's going to stop. Like where it's, this is taking off. So as like from there, it just kept rising. So more media outlets, national media picked it up because it's like right before Thanksgiving. So it's like a feel yeah, good holiday feel good story. story. Yeah. I mean, this is like the kind of thing we would have done if we had a totally. podcast at that time, right? Like um, I'm sure we have done stories that are very much like this. So eventually it was on CNN, the Washington Post, Good Morning America, everything. Like, so, you know, they're getting interviewed. Everybody loves the story of this, this homeless man who gave his like last money to help a woman in need. Um, so by the second week, the GoFundMe was over $400,000. Holy shit. Yeah. So at that point, Mark and Kate said that they had talked to Johnny and they all agreed that they were going to stop accepting money at that point. Like that that was enough that he could yeah. really start a new life. He could get a new home. Yeah. Um, he could buy a house outright. Yes. Yeah. Buy a house, buy a car. So um, just before Thanksgiving, Kate shared an update on the GoFundMe page on Johnny. She said that she and Mark had found a hotel room where he was going to stay for the holiday weekend while they worked on finding him a permanent home. Um, Mark told CNN that all Johnny wanted to do was just relax and watch TV, which you can imagine if you've been living on the streets for 18 months to just like have a place to yourself yeah. To like not have to worry about like being outside or other people like would be amazing. So um, Kate and Mark gave Johnny some of the money to buy contact lenses because he had not had glasses. He had like barely able to see. Um, took him to Walmart. He bought socks. And then on Thanksgiving Day, he got a computer, which he had really wanted. Um, at that point, Kate and Mark said that Johnny hadn't told them what he intended to do with all the money, um, but he was going to be posting a video about it sometime in the future. Um, Mark told CNN, the whole game changed in the last 24 to 48 hours. His expectation changed and what he wanted to do changed just because like the money came in so fast that all of a sudden he went from like being excited about $700 to like having $400,000. Oh, yeah. Um, 
said he wants he has a couple places in Philadelphia in Philadelphia that got him through and got him by and he wants to pay it for forward. His dreams aren't champagne and caviar. So Johnny told news out, outlets eventually that he wanted to buy a permanent home and a car and then donate some of the money to um, these places where he had helped him out while he was homeless. Um, and he said it felt like he had won the lottery. So that would be a beautiful story. <laughs> Oh, no. If that's where it ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not. So um, so that all happened in um, in the winter of 2017. So that was all Christmas, Thanksgiving, 2017. Um, so fast forward to the summer of 2018, and Johnny is back living under an underpass, under an oh, overpass, God. using heroin and now he's pissed and he was ready to talk. So Johnny contacted media outlets and told them that he wanted to tell them a story. He told News 6 in Philadelphia that he had only ever seen a small percentage of the money that was raised for him. He said that Kate and Mark refused to give him any money and that he hadn't wanted to get a lawyer before because he didn't want to appear ungrateful by being like, well, how are we going to work this out? How is this going to be transferred? Like he said at first, it was kind of like funny, like, oh, they were like mom and dad, like kind of doling out little bits at a time, but then they quit giving him any money. And he's like, I haven't seen like anything from this. Wow. Um, And then Kate and Mark responded, because now this is in the news again. And they said, yeah, they are withholding the money from withholding the money from him, but only because they didn't want to enable his addiction. Um, They said that he, he had spent some of the initial money they had given him on drugs. He had become addicted again. Mark told the inquirer that he'd rather burn the money in front of him than give it to Johnny to buy heroin. He said, Mm. They said they had bought an RV for Johnny with some of the funds because that's what he said he wanted. So he did have a home if he wanted it. But then according to Johnny, he said, you know, Mark accusing him of being an addict is hypocritical because Mark was a gambling addict. Um, He also accused the couple of spending the money on themselves, saying that they had bought a brand new BMW. And he told news outlets that he was worried that there was no money left at all. So as you can imagine, the public swiftly turned on Mark and Kate, right? Because they're like, oh, my God, we all gave money to you. And now you are not giving it to this person who is in need and you're spending it on yourself. Um, So they went on Megyn Kelly had just had a brand new show on Fox. So they went on her Fox show and they talked about how they were getting death death threats and how it was so hard because they believed that they had done a good thing and that they were still doing the right thing. They swore that other than like one time Mark had borrowed $500 from Johnny and had given it right back. They said they had never spent one cent of his money on themselves. They said that this new car that Johnny was talking about was actually a used BMW that was 60,000 miles on it and that they had paid for that with their own money. They said they were actually in the process of opening a trust for Johnny so they would no longer have to manage the money. So Johnny then, like during that summer, he found a lawyer to represent him pro bono, and he sued Mark and Kate basically to stop them, like have an injunction to stop them from spending any more money and and to give him access to the remaining money. So on August 30th, Mark and Kate also got a lawyer, uh, and that lawyer filed an answer on their behalf. 
He restated that they had not spent a single cent of Johnny's money. They were willing to open up their accounting to a forensic accountant so that everyone can see what happened to the money for themselves. The lawyer said that Johnny had, they had given Johnny over $200,000 of the money. Uh, and the judge was like, great. I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm going to give you 24 hours to have the remaining funds transferred into an escrow account and hire a forensic accountant to go through the books. So that deadline passed. Oh, no. No money was transferred. (gasps) And finally, Mark and Kate's attorney was forced to admit that all of the money had been spent. Oh, my God. At that point, Mark sent Johnny a Facebook message suggesting that they both drop their lawyers and that he and Kate would just write a check for Johnny um, for the remaining. They would just like pay him off. Um, So it turned out they had spent every cent on themselves. Oh, my God. Yeah. They had taken trips to Las Vegas over New Year's. Kate had taken two trips to Disney. There have been shopping sprees, helicopter rides, trips to New York. Lots of gambling. Uh, Mark was a gambling addict. He had lost over $75,000 gambling in Vegas, Atlantic City, and uh, at the casinos outside Philadelphia. Even the RV that they bought for Johnny was in Kate's name, so he actually didn't have access to it. Um, They'd given some money to, like, family to pay off debts, and all of this was, like, documented on their Facebook page. So it's not like they were, like like hiding it. They were just like, we're going to Disney. We're doing this. We got a new car. Like it was all very clear to everyone who knew them. Oh my Um, God. And it was, I mean, they were, like I said, they were not wealthy people. So all of this after they had then raised all this money was very suspicious. So the judge in the case ordered Kate and Mark to testify about what happened um, to the money under oath. And they both invoked their fifth amendment rights. So the judge paused the civil case because now now it's a criminal investigation, right? Not only did they 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 it's fraud. Like they took all this money from people and then they used money that was not right rightfully there for theirs for a reason that was like something different than what they said they were going to use it for. So at that point once there was a criminal investigation, Kate started secretly recording her conversations with Mark to use as leverage in a criminal charge. So you can actually hear these recordings on the Swindled podcast or on the Hulu documentary. And I just, he is like a horrible person. Like Mark, her boyfriend is a horrible person. So she's blaming him. I mean, but she went to Disney and stuff. Yeah. She's, you can hear on the, like on the recording, she's like, this is all your fault. I was just following what you said. I said the things because you said it. And he was, he's just like, you're fucking weak. You're a dumb bitch. You're, a, I mean, horrible, oh, like God. way more horrible things. So, I mean, they're both bad people, but like he's, uh, he's worse. Yes. And she, you know, she's saying, like, I did, I lied on, he's like, you can't get arrested for lying on TV. And she was like, you told me to do it. This whole thing is your idea. Um, so on September 6, 2018, police got, uh, an, uh, executed a search warrant on Mark and Kate. They took documents, computers, subpoenaed their phone records. And so it was actually the text messages that they subpoenaed that proved that not only had Mark and Kate spent all the money, but that Mark, Kate, and Johnny had made the entire thing up. What? Yeah. So. Wait. 
So on November 17th, right after the GoFundMe went live, a friend of Kate's texted her and was like, oh my God, you never told me that you ran out of gas on the highway and that like a homeless guy came and helped you. That's so crazy. And Kate replied, okay, so wait, the gas part is made up, but the guy isn't. I had to make something up to make people feel bad. So she had never run out of what gas. An idiot. She and Mark had actually met Johnny a month earlier at a casino and they had all become friends and they hatched the whole thing together oh as like a God. way to get money. So her friend texted back at one point. She said, this gas story, it's going to backfire. Like even her mom was like, you know, people go to jail for lying about stuff like this. Like she, her mom didn't know the truth, but she suspected it. Oh, um, my God. And in a text to Mark in March – Kate wrote about how she was upset that they had already blown through so much money that they only had $10,000 left. And he responded, don't worry, because we're going to get that book deal because they were negotiating a book deal. Because of course, like who doesn't want this feel good story about these now these three right. people were like, yeah. Um, so he was like, we're going to have way more money than we would have from the GoFundMe. So by May, they had spent all of the money and their checking account was overdrafted. Um, and then over the summer, Johnny went to the press and told them that he was owed money. He didn't say like, oh, I was in on it. We made this up. He just was like, I didn't get the money. Um, he had, he says he had like no idea that filing the civil suit would actually end up not just incriminating Kate and Mark, but him too. He just wanted the money oh and he didn't God. know there was no more money left. So, all three of them were charged in both state and federal court. On January 6, 2023, Kate was sentenced. So just this year, was Kate was sentenced to three years in New Jersey State Prison. Oh, um, she wasn't actually at the sentencing because she was already serving a one-year and one-day sentence in federal prison in Connecticut. So they were both, both got sentences, both in state and federal court. Um, Johnny Bobbitt was sentenced to 36 months probation in federal court and ordered to pay $25,000 in restitution. He pled guilty in the state court and actually was admitted to addiction recovery program as an alternative to incarceration. So he actually didn't end up serving any jail time. Oh, wow. Um, he just got probation. Um, mm -hmm. And in August of 2022, Mark D'Amico was sentenced to five years in state prison and 27 months in federal prison. He and Kate were ordered by a federal judge to make full restitution of the GoFundMe. Wow. Isn't that crazy story? That is crazy. God, people are so... Man, I remember um, like how upset I was. There was a... This is back when like Kickstarter was a thing. Yeah. I'm not going to say who it was, but there was a person that <laughs> started a Kickstarter to start a bakery and we all put in money and uh -huh. the bakery never happened and nobody ever said another word about it. And I feel like everybody <laughs> moved on with their lives, but I'm still here 10 yeah. years later like, where's the bakery? Where's the bakery? <laughs> <laughs> we just, just going <laughs> to... So I can't imagine, like, yeah, like four hundred thousand. That was like a three thousand dollar Kickstarter. This was yeah. like a yeah, and a this four. was I think it was something like fourteen thousand people donated. So wow, wow. like all around the country, and uh, yeah, I mean it's just uh, people are 
People are such dummies. Yeah. Man. And apparently, the so the prosecutor was basically like, nobody would have ever known. Like, we probably would have never known that this was all made up had and they, they would have not gone to jail other. had they not fought with each other. And that is yeah. just, don't go. Split it. <laughs> yes, yeah, split it. go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got greedy. It? Forget it. <laughs> nope. Split and quit. Split and um, quit it. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Yep. People are so stupid. But it, like, thankfully, they're stupid. So like, justice was served. And, yes, you know. <laughs> but what horrible people! Oh, All I of them. them. Yep. Oh man. Uh, well, Sally, are you ready for a love story that will bring our spirits back up? Yes, I'm ready. Good. I have a nice little sweet one. This one came from an article for Nine Honey, um, which is honey.nine.com. It's it's an Australian okay. um, website. Um, oh, good day, mate. <laughs> yes. And it was written by Madison Leach. Good day. Um, oh, no. Uh, Bob Crothers, huh? I just said, oh, what no. I was trying to. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> no, I didn't. Thank you. Um, Bob Crothers and Annette Young uh, first met at a church dance in Juni, North, uh, New South Wales. Sorry, okay. I had to like literally look that up. I thought it was not safe for work. <laughs> NSW. <laughs> yeah, <that> is. <laughs> New South Wales. I look. I don't know Australia. I've never been. I don't know. I don't know Australia's life. Yeah. Anyway, so they met when they were teenagers in the 1960s. Um, they were just 15 years old when Annette first met Bob, and she was immediately interested in him. At the time, he was a, he was a young Royal Australian Air Force recruit. So okay. that's abbreviated RAAF, which is like RAAF. <laughs> <laughs> recruit. <As> a, <laughs> she, said, she told Nine Honey that she just spotted him and thought, I'm going to ask this dude to dance. All um, right. And she said that they, they danced, and by the time the night was over, they were both smitten with each other. Um, so they quickly started dating, and then soon after that, Bob met her parents, who actually gave the blessing for Annette to date him because she was so young and that they could go to yeah. a few local events together. Um, one event that they went to was a concert at the Junie Picture Theater. Um, I guess, uh, do you know who John Farnham is? I don't know. John Bonham? Farnham? F-A-R-N-H-A-M. Maybe he's big in Australia. I don't know. <laughs> but apparently no. they went to one of his um, concerts and at one point, uh, Annette found herself on stage with uh, the singer, John Farnham. Right. And um, she said, uh, my friends threw me up on stage because all the girls were hanging over, screaming and carrying on. I was one of them. Bob was standing in the back um, and someone said to him, isn't that your girl up there, Bob? And he's like, who, where? No, that's not my girl up there. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently she was carried off the stage twice and at one point had her picture uh, taken that ended up in the local paper. And she said that she swore to her mom that it was one of the other local girls. <laughs> she said, um, she told uh, Nine Honey, no, I went, no, mom, that's not me. That's Jenny, my girlfriend. 
Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, Bob found the whole thing to be uh, very funny, which yeah. is good. So, um, but apparently, uh, they. She said, uh, "We danced all night, and he walked me home. He was my first love, and you don't forget your first love." But shortly thereafter, um, Bob moved away with the Raf. Which is a young Australian. <laughs> <airport>. <laughs> they had limited ways to communicate with each other. Um, yeah. You know, so they lost touch. And then she moved to Sydney with her sisters. So even though she moved to Sydney, she wrote him a very emotional love letter um, when she first moved to Sydney, confessing all of her feelings for him and telling him how much she loved him. But um, she never got a response. And so. Mm-hmm. How heartbreaking. I know. So she ended up, Bob and Annette both moved on with their lives. They both ended up getting married and starting families of their own. They briefly connected in the 1980s when he looked her up and and reached out to her. Um, Called her on his big old car phone. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Good eye. Good eye, Annette. It was like a brick. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) She... uh, an old Zach Morris phone. Uh, Annette said, we talked on the phone and he did want to come see me then, but she told him no. She said that um, her marriage had just ended and she had three daughters to raise and she just didn't have time. She was paying off a house and raising children and that just was not her focus. So good for her, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course she loved him, but you know, she had, she had to take care of herself. She had priorities. Which is yeah. exactly. So uh, as the years went by, she focused um, on being a mother and she never really thought about him um, until just a few years ago, she started talking to a friend about past loves and that's when Bob's mm-hmm. name came up. And yeah. so um, the friend um, that she was talking to mentioned that she had Bob's contact information that she could put them back in touch together. And um, so just a few weeks after that, Annette and Bob were back on the phone. And um, she said, I know. And she said, as soon as I heard his voice, I knew I was still in love with him because my heart just really jumped out of me. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm 67. Who feels like this at 67? I love so, it. I know. So they called and texted each other for about a month. And then he said, I'm coming to get you this time. And he just arrived on her doorstep just a few days later. Annette said, when he first got out of the car, the feelings came back and we still had the, those old feelings for one another. I still loved him and he still loved me. Um, That's amazing. I know. And I so can't he, think of a single person I would feel that way about. 50 years later. Right? I know. Isn't that wild? It's like and you so, are different people now. And Bob was so sure of his love for her that he ended up um, just a few days after he showed up on her doorstep, he proposed to her right in the middle of the street. Holy I know, girl, she that's said, amazing. I know. She said, he brought me a rose and then he cropped to his knee and asked me to marry him. I was so embarrassed because everyone was just looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> when we got home, I felt bad about the way I reacted, but I was shocked. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, I will marry you. <laughs> I accepted straight away. I knew we'd be together. So after they decided to get married, Bob told her that he actually did get her love letter all those years ago and that he did write her a love letter back. No. But he sent it to her old address so she never <sighs> got it. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. What could have been? I know. Annette actually told uh, Nine Honey that um, if she had received that letter when she was 16, she has no doubt that they would have been together 
but yeah. she, um, this whole time. But she said that she's just as happy to have her first love back 50 years later. Yeah. So they dated for a few years uh, before they relocated to Bolton Clark Baycrest, which is a retirement village in um, mm-hmm. Hervey Bay, uh, Queensland. <laughs> QLD. <laughs> uh, where <laughs> – Baby cold. Coral Where they finally tied the knot in two thousand in twenty twenty two. So they got married this past year. Um he said that he uh picked out the wedding rings just a few weeks before Christmas and they were going to get married at this local venue at Point Vernon, but um, they were rained out. So instead, they ended up gathering family and friends at the retirement village. And they had um, a small ceremony where Bob's little granddaughter was the flower girl. Oh, I that's know. very cute. Annette wore a red gown and um, and so did the flower girl. It's real cute. Um, and a lot of their family couldn't come up from not safe for work. So Because they- <laughs> it's very far, as we know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, – but they said that the wedding was still wonderful. She said it was all a blur, a bit of a blur, but all I could see was Bob. Bob was just crying and it was beautiful. It was worth the wait. Ever since I was 15, I wanted to be Mrs. Crothers. And um, after oh. 50 years, she finally got her wish. That's really sweet. Isn't that so sweet? I know. Yes. It's just like a real nice, sweet, sweet love story. I love that so much. It's a I real... Know. Real good palate cleanser. Thanks, Jen. You're welcome. You're welcome <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> and you took us across the pond. I don't know. I did. Or very <laughs> far away. The world. <laughs> All right. Well, All I love right. that. Let's do something dumb and something we love. Let's do it. Okay, here's my something I love is that um, we're batch recording because we're both doing fun things, which is great. It's great to like be able to do this and then go do fun stuff. Um, And I am going to be going on a trip with Dr. Dude fucking Grace, um, just like a weekend girls trip. So that is the thing I love. I'm I'm throwing caution to the wind and I'm saying we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, New year, new us. New year, new us. the thing that is dumb is that so we do have like a polo Marco Polo group and uh and Grace was like, Oh my god, I can't believe two weeks from today I'm gonna be seeing you guys. And I was like, mm, you mean three weeks? And she was like, No, two weeks. And I was like, Oh shit. Like my calendar, every like everything I have blocked off is like for three weeks. And I was like, Did I buy plane tickets to Albuquerque? For the wrong date. I was Uh, just like, my stomach, my like, I was like sitting in a parking lot as I'm getting these texts like, no, no, it's definitely the the other weekend before. Turns out I'm just dumb. I did buy plane tickets for the right date, but it was like such a like, oh God, this is so something I would do. Do you remember I did do that when I bought tickets for me and my son (laughs) to go to New York? I bought it for the wrong... I thought we had a big. I was looking at. Uh, I live in DeKalb County, Georgia. But when I looked yeah. up DeKalb County's uh, school calendar, I was looking up the DeKalb County in Tennessee. Yeah, because just, we were texting, and I was like, "Yeah, oh, so you guys are going next weekend?" You're like, "No, no, no, we're going like the weekend after." And I was like, "Oh, so not for like fall break?" And you're like, "No, that's fall, oh, break. fall break." And I was like, <laughs> "I don't think so, bud." <laughs> you were like. 
Fuck. Ugh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to take that as my something dumb. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything dumb, but I did a dumb thing. You it did was a dumb thing ago, too. But I did do that dumb thing. You did. Uh, and then my something that I love, um, I just started watching, I watched the last, well, there's only three episodes out at this point um, mm-hmm. that we're recording, but the new show on Apple TV uh, with, um, it's called Shrinking and it's with Jason Segel oh. and Harrison Ford uh, and Jessica Williams. It's really good. Really, okay. really good. I haven't I even lo- heard like, of it. Yeah. It's fun. It's the premise of it. It's, it's a like, you know, it's a. Uh, dramedy i guess yeah but it's um it's pretty funny but it's about um a a therapist who's going through a very hard time himself and Mm. he's um you know listening to he's kind of on the brink of losing it and then he's listening to these uh his patients like put themselves in the same situation over and over and over and over and like it's so frustrating for him and then he finally like flips out on one of his patients and then she's like okay and then like that was it. She just needed that like wake up call and then changes yeah. her life. So then it's about him taking that approach with all of his patients now is this like no nonsense, no bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like um, tough love sort of approach, but um, to really help them and help himself. But it's really funny and, and I, I'm enjoying it so far. So That's awesome. Oh, I started, we yeah. started watching Poker That's Face. That. Have you watched that? Yes, actually, I did. I, I watched the first episode and I started watching the second. And I think I'm yeah. going to watch the rest tonight after Housewives. Yeah, I mean, Nat- she's so <laughs> Do you great. like it? She's so, uh, yeah, I do. I love it. I she's love like, Natasha yeah. Leon is so funny in it. Like, she's so quirky and good. And it's really, I really like it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so those are our things we love. Go watch, go watch TV, you guys. <laughs> and we're going to go watch TV. Yeah, come on. It's a um, rainy, dark night. We've been recording yeah. for hours. <laughs> Literal hours. Eat some pasta, you know. <laughs> and watch What'd some TV. Say? I said, yeah, yeah. Literal hours. <laughs> Treat yourself. Treat yourself. All right. Well, we love you guys so much. Please follow us on social medias where you can see video from episodes. We're at Dumb Love Podcast on all the social media. Uh, you can rate and review. You can tell a friend. We would love that. Um, and uh, you guys, we love you so much. We do. We dumb love you so much. And don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dumb, da-dum, dumb, 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 dumb,